Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Penn State football fans, we are back. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by the one and only Johnny McGonigal. It's time for another podcast, the Blue White Breakdown podcast, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. It's just always busy. It's crazy busy. It doesn't matter. The later we get into summer, there's always something going on with James Franklin's football program. I'm excited about getting closer to June, but also I think anytime Penn State gets a quarterback to commit, I think I think the antenna really go off for the for the for the fan base. They want to know just what we're getting uh, or what they are getting. Excuse me. Uh, maybe in the free, uh, the future for p- the Penn State quarterback position. I want to make sure I pronounce this je- young gentleman's name right. Uh, there's an E in there in the middle that might throw me off. I don't know if it's Siler or not. Ethan Grunkmeyer. Do I have that right from Ohio? I think so. Yeah, that's that's how I've been saying it. So. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I don't know, maybe not necessarily out of the blue, but he was up there over the weekend. Uh, saw some video of him. He li- they list him at, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a nice-sized quarterback, but he even looks a little bit bigger than they list him at, about 6'3", 205 from Ohio. And I guess, you know, Johnny, Penn State is really good at um, identifying prospects fairly early on, and the fan base will see that the kid is listed as a three-star, but – after getting uh, an invite to the Elite 11s, I mean, they're, he's going to be a four-star kid at the very least by the time he he is done. What else? What else have you learned? He's one of the bigger uh, quarterbacks I think Penn State's had on the roster. Yeah, he's he's six foot two, one hundred ninety pounds, and obviously he's going to grow into that body a, a bit more when he eventually signs, gets on campus, goes through all those winter workouts and everything like that. An Ohio kid from Olentangy, um, and. Or I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, if I'm not, let me know, listeners. But uh, you know, Penn State has had some recent success recruiting uh, quarterbacks out of Ohio. Just look at Drew Aller. Don't forget about Sean Clifford. Don't forget about Sean Clifford and, and Sean Clifford. But uh, no, Drew and uh, Drew and Ethan actually share a quarterbacks coach uh, out there, and so there's a lot of familiarity between Drew and Ethan. Between you know, obviously Ethan and Penn State. He's visited a boatload of times. He visited in 2021. Visited a couple times last year he was on campus uh, i believe to receive his offer in april uh and then visited back-to-back weekends the past two weekends uh and you know committed to penn state on, on saturday and then went to state high for the elite 11 regionals and performed really well and uh, like you mentioned bob got that invitation to the elite 11 finals uh out in los angeles and so he'll be there uh competing with the best quarterbacks in in his quarterback class and in his recruiting class it seems like it's another one where Penn State gets the kid committed in as a three star, and then it's like he—I mean—he's a riser in the class, and uh, and and I wouldn't be surprised if more schools come in on him to offer. I think it was twenty-three or twenty-four offers that he had. You know, Michigan State, Minnesota, Virginia all hosted him, but 
I wouldn't be surprised if some heavy hitters try to come in and flip him uh, later in the process. But uh, it seems like a really good situation for both him and Penn State. Yeah, and as you look now at Penn State's 2024 class, Johnny, pretty diverse class in terms of the position groups. Uh, I believe they're at 14, depending on which service you follow. I think everyone would agree it's, it's, it's a top 10 class in some way, shape, or form. Uh, they've done very well in Pennsylvania. They've addressed the quarterback position. Uh, 14's a nice number to have, you know, going into late May. <laughs> we mentioned, we talked about the Wisconsin influence at Penn State, the, the burgeoning Wisconsin influence, but I just think that, not that they were short at quarterback by any means, but uh, they have three scholarship guys on the roster with Drew Aller, Bo Prabula, Jackson Smolik, who are the freshman who enrolled in January. So James Franklin has always kind of got his eye on the quarterback position. You can never have enough, especially in the age of the transfer portal, right? So um, when you look, Johnny, just real quick, when you look at the 2024 class, the way it stands, and it's it's fluid, right? There's no guarantee they're all going to uh, end up coming to Penn State. What stands out to you the most with the addition of the quarterback? Well, I was just going to say, like, it, it, this was kind of – it's not the last piece because you've got, what, probably 10 more slots to fill, uh, and we're sitting here at the end of May. But quarterback was a big slot to fill. It, it always is. Uh, you always want to be meticulous about the quarterback that you bring into the class. You know, they were interested in other quarterbacks and maybe still interested in, in, in bringing in a second quarterback, but – I wouldn't really expect that um, you know, when you already have three young quarterbacks uh, on the roster in Aller, Prabula, and Smolik, you know, it feels like it should be a one-quarterback class, but who knows? They, they might try to bring in a second. But to get Ethan in and to get that locked in in May, assuming he doesn't flip uh, or you know go elsewhere, I think it's a big step uh, because they had already kind of laid the foundations in this class. Quentin Martin, uh, the, the five-star, uh, four-star running back, uh, from um, out in the Pittsburgh area, Bell Vernon. I mean, the top player in Pennsylvania. And then you look at even, you know, Anthony Specka. And, you know, again, you mentioned them being able to recruit Pennsylvania really well. Caleb Brewer, uh, Kenneth, Kenneth, Kenny Wosley, uh, Cooper Cousins. So you really like what they've been able to do in PA. They get the quarterback. They've got three of the top players from Wisconsin, uh, a couple of really talented corners from Florida. Uh, they've they've got a really good base right now, and that's going into uh, a June, you know, month of June that you know they're going to be hosting a lot of prospects, and not just 2024 guys, and you know, they'll they'll have 2025 uh, players on campus as well. But yeah, I, I think they're in a really really good spot. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised next if you're looking at positions. Uh, they don't have a wide receiver in this class yet, uh, so wouldn't be surprised. If they get one or two of those in, especially with new wide receivers coach Marcus Hagens um, doing a lot of brunt work, see if uh, maybe those connections down the the Virginia Beach area uh, will pay off. Wouldn't be surprised either to see them bring in yet another corner because if you look at their corner room, Kalen King is going to go to the NFL as long as he plays up to his standards uh, this season. Johnny Dixon, the same deal. Uh, and then you're looking at Cam Miller and you know Daquan Hardy is, is an upperclassman as well. So. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a heavy corner class, and uh, they already have a couple, but they could add a couple more. So the Elite 11 uh, finals this year, which Ethan Brunkmeyer now has an invitation to, uh, out in Los Angeles, June 14th to June 16th. And I I just bring that up. I know you mentioned it, but 
Um, there'll be more eyes on this kid and, you know, a strong showing there. Penn State might have to fight off some other programs to, to keep him, but that is part of the deal, right? If you're going to get, if you're going to be in it for good kids and good kids want to come to Penn State, the more he has a chance to improve, the more he has a chance to impress. I mean, I'm sure other schools are not going to stop recruiting him, but yeah, um, a strong showing at the Elite Eleven, and I'm sure Penn State might have kind of its hands full, maybe just trying to keep other schools uh, from showing more and more interest. But it's probably a good problem to have. Johnny, you mentioned you mentioned the cornerback position. It's a strength, right? Even without Joey Porter, but it can go from you know a position of like where you feel very secure to hey, it's going to turn around in a hurry. Especially when you're when 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 an underclassman like Kalen King develops at his rate and leaves school early, which is probably there is no such thing as a sure thing. But boy, it's hard to imagine him coming back after this season if he has anything close to the year that he had last year. And he's the kind of kid that's only going to get better. So they're going to probably have to move on from him. Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, you mentioned him, one of the better, I think, nickel slot corners in the Big Ten. So it, it's always a position of concern. And I bring that up because Penn State's kind of updated its summer roster to include recent transfer portal additions, a not-so-recent transfer portal edition that we've been talking about probably since January, a wide receiver, but also um, you know, the remainder of the 2023 class that did not enroll early um, at Penn State. Um, Penn State, I think they're all up there, just kind of looking at the heights and weights of some of these guys to see if they match up. They all look – I don't know if those weights, how accurate they are, but they all look about what we expected them to be. Johnny, when you, just when you look – at the, at the new Lions on the roster. And we could, obviously we could talk about Dante Cephas, but is there, is there another name or two that, that really interests you? I know that they can't practice until August, but they can start to work out and get to know their teammates, get to know the strength staff. Any players on this list that kind of interest you? In terms of the transfers that, that came in, um, yeah, so, yeah, there's four of them uh, that, like you mentioned, Dante Cephas was – you know, verbally committed in January, had to finish out his academics in Kent State uh, in the spring. Uh, some of these other guys, you know, committed. I mean, Aldavian Collins, a corner uh, from Mississippi State, young kid, four years of eligibility. He just committed to Penn State last week. And so, uh, you know, it varies with these guys. But the one, the, the guy that really kind of intrigues me in terms of immediate impact, because I think Aldavian Collins is one for the future. Alonzo Ford, uh, the D tackle for Old Dominion, because of the depth concerns of defensive tackle, could work his way into that rotation, but I don't expect him to be an immediate starter. The, the one that really intrigues me is, is Trey Potts, the running back from Minnesota, who you know, had over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns over the last two seasons for Minnesota in 2021. Kind of took over as their lead back when Mo Ibrahim went out with an injury. Williamsport kid. Comes in, provides at the very least a veteran presence and you know veteran cover uh, for that running back room that features Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, uh, but also behind them. Otherwise, it was a handful of walk-ons and then uh, two 2023 signees in London Montgomery and Cameron Wallace. Wallace was a late add uh, in the cycle, and then M- Montgomery missed his senior season with a serious uh, leg injury, and so. Uh, you didn't want to have to rely on either of those guys to be the third back uh, to even contribute uh, whenever, if ever, Katron and Nick need a spell. But now you have Trey Potts, who not only is a local kid, 
uh, but is talented too. And as long as he stays healthy, uh, that's what you like to see. And so, you know, God forbid something happens to Singleton or Allen, you've got a talented, talented guy who who has stepped in for a star back before and performed well. So, I really think that that's a an underrated uh, addition uh, this offseason, a necessary addition given the depth situation at running back. Yeah, I think I think you're uh, you're right on the money there with him because it's one of those like don't break until don't break the glass until you need him kind of players. And he's a you know if if that going in August if somebody like that is your number three running back just at the start of camp, that's a pretty good feeling. Like as you said. He has he has a pretty proven resume of when given an opportunity, and I'm not talking about three or four carries a game. You know, one of those running backs. If you give him ten or fifteen carries a game, he has shown in Big Ten play that he could produce. So that I think that is one that's really going to make uh, James Franklin and Mike Yersich and Jaywan Sider feel good about. I do think the one th- the one thing I'm just going to be curious about is, and I, I, I referenced it, Johnny, is th- these player weights. I mean. You just never know how how quickly these guys maybe, especially at Penn State, where they have the nutrition bar, they, they have a really good strength and uh, conditioning staff. How much bigger and stronger they can get in a short time? And I only bring that up because I, I just I'm always going to go back to Tony Rojas after after his January to remember and his February to remember, where he put on about 30 pounds, and I saw him during the blue white game. And I was like, this guy looks like he's ready to go right now. Like as in right, right now, maybe, you know, on the field a lot now, but uh, Ford, the defensive tackle from old dominion, they do have some bodies. They like, they are not particularly large inside. Um, there's no one really uh, built like PJ Mustafer, but I'm just curious. He, they list him at 280 Now. I wonder if maybe by, Maybe by the middle of August, if he could, if he could even get up to 290, I th- I just think to play in the Big Ten, if you're going to play at 280, James Franklin has the famous uh, Aaron Donald comments for a reason. Although Aaron Donald might be a little bit bigger than that, but I just think that I'm sure he's a good player. But I would imagine Penn State's going to try and put some weight on him, and I I think they would feel better if you could get just a little bit larger because they're going to need those defensive tackles in a couple of these games, Johnny and. We all know we all know what games we're, ta- we're we're talking about, but I'm sure I'm sure they wouldn't take him if they didn't like him, and maybe they're going to like him for more than one year. But I'll be, I'll be curious to see if he. You don't usually see a Penn State tackle other than Hakeem Beeman at 280 pounds, so that's one I'll be watching for. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different. And we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Before we get to uh, some other news about Penn State's schedule, Johnny, we got to talk a little bit about Dante Cephas. You've been writing about him all offseason. I know you had like had an updated piece on him recently on Penn Live, so the Penn State fans can check that out. But until he actually gets on campus, it's hard to really talk too much about him. Hey, he's here. So um, it's real now. He is a dangerous player in space. And I would imagine as much as they feel good about Trey Potts joining the, the uh, running back room, Johnny, they probably feel even a little bit better about Dante Cephas potentially being a starting wide out in Penn State's three receiver set. Absolutely. No, Dante's a, a kid we've talked about, like you mentioned, for a while now. He verbally committed – uh, back in January, the same day Taylor Stubblefield was uh, was let go, 
And so, so it's been that long. Uh, but now that he's finally on campus, you know, Penn State's getting a guy that Georgia, Oklahoma wanted out of the transfer portal. Uh, when he made his decision to commit to Penn State, uh, the Athletic uh, had him as the number three player available uh, in the portal. And when you have 130 catches and 1,900 yards in two seasons, even at the MAC level, like, that's going to draw a lot of attention to yourself uh, in in the best way possible. You look at what Penn State did this spring camp without him while he was finishing up his academics. Keandre Lambert Smith and Harrison Wallace a third, uh, a mat, you know, uh, emerging uh, as wide receivers, you know, separating themselves uh, from the pack. You know, James Franklin mentioned that a couple of times throughout the spring, and but he he kept challenging that wide receiver room. He kept saying the competition isn't there. You know, they need to step up. You know, they need they they need to feel like they have five or six guys uh, that they're confident in and they're not there yet. Well, Dante Cephas, you know, adding him to the equation gives you a number uh, immediately. And and honestly, a guy that could be your number one wide receiver, uh, looking at the production the last two years, looking at his tape, how he just kind of fits in, uh, and and the emphasis that they put on getting him because they were after a handful of wide receivers in the portal. Caden Prather, uh, Dante Thornton, those guys that you know, Penn State didn't get the, those two guys that they wanted, but they really wanted Dante Cephas and they got him. And, yeah, I, I would be surprised if he didn't play uh, a, a really big role for them this upcoming fall and even next year too, because that's the other thing that we're talking about. You know, obviously with so much uh, with so much kind of hype and focus around the 2023 season, and that's what we're barreling towards here, Bob. Like, uh, there's so much focus on that, but you know, Dante Cephas is two years of eligibility. Alonzo Ford is two years of eligibility. Trey Potts two years of eligibility. So, and I mentioned earlier, Davian Collins four. So these are guys that are going to help them, obviously, in 2023. But also, uh, as long as they're around, if they're uh, if they if they didn't play well, you know, too well, and, and go to the NFL, uh, they'll be around to help in 2024 as well. Yep. So with Cephas in the fold at wide receiver, you, you know, you you look at the room: uh, Keandre Lambert Smith, you know, Trey Wallace, Harrison Wallace the third. They were they were one two coming out of spring. You know, Amari Evans, who's a second year wideout his play in the blue white game at a James Franklin said afterward, and it, it wasn't just for the game. It was for probably the last week and a half spring. I think he really kind of made some strides. So he felt better. I think at the end of spring and now with Dante, a healthy Dante Cephas there, that's certainly a much more dangerous receiver room than it was maybe in January, right? You're, you're still smarting from the loss of Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. You don't know who you're going to get if anyone in the transfer portal, you get Cephas to kind of say he's going to come for, uh, you know, for, you know, late, you know, early summer, get on the practice field. And then you have, I think, at least one receiver, a young receiver step up in spring. And then you get Trey Potts. The offense has certainly become, I think, more formidable late in the offseason. So we'll see how they look. We'll see how they look in August. But, um, yeah, very good science for Penn State, Johnny. We're, we're, we're talking about Penn State. All the news that's happened almost since after, you know, spring practice. It's so funny here on the Blue White Breakdown. But, Johnny, I, I guess I'll just throw it to you this way. I, I, about a week ago, I don't know. I, I don't know how about you, but I didn't really have any plans to be traveling on Thanksgiving Day. And it looks like that just kind of went out the window. Penn State's schedule uh, for 2023 took another interesting twist with the report from Pete Thamel that the uh, the season-ending game at Michigan State 
is going to be on a Friday. It's going to be on Black Friday, the day the, the day after Thanksgiving. Penn State's played a couple of games that aren't on Saturdays in recent years. They opened last year on a Thursday night at Purdue. In 2018, they played a Friday night game, I believe, at Illinois, Trace McSorley's final year. But <laughs> they're almost always going to play on Saturday. Penn State fans have kind of grown accustomed to their making their travel plans around a trip to State College or – you know, booking flights for like one or two trips on the road. But at least at least they're knowing they get to know early, right? Or relatively early. It looks like Penn State, Penn State, Michigan State's gonna be on Friday. That's not really the question, Johnny. The question is, what time on Friday is this game gonna be played? Oh, Bob, I uh, I was not expecting a Sunday night news dump, uh, but thank you to Pete Thamel for that. Yeah, I also wasn't expecting, like you mentioned, to be uh, in Detroit for uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, so we're just going to have to go to the Lions-Packers game, Bob, because <laughs> if we're going to be in Detroit for Thanksgiving, we might as well go to Ford Field uh, and 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 go to the game. Uh, no, I mean, th- this is one of those where we'll, we'll kind of see where they end up playing. I, I'm pretty sure what Iowa and Nebraska normally play at 3.30 on Black Friday. I think that's the case. You, you, we were talking about this before. You mentioned that did, did the Big Ten waive that November night game thing? Because if, if that's the case, then maybe this is a night game. I saw I, I saw a story uh, for uh, one of our sister sites, Cleveland.com, was talking about Ohio State schedule. And I believe one of their games in November is going to be at night. I think it has something to do with the new broadcast partners. Don't quote me on this, but there's a lot more leeway. And a lot more like uh, you know fluid fluidity to maybe potential night games, you know I think in November. So something just to look out for because if one of the new TV networks wants this game on Friday on Black Friday, they don't want it to go up against Iowa. I would think they do not want it to go up against the Iowa Nebraska game, assuming that is still going to be on Black Friday. Traditionally, it has been. So if that game is on Friday. And Penn State's going to play on Friday. I don't. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to have them, you know, start unless they're going to move one of the games to noon, which you know I would be great with, and I'm sure you would be great with. But I do think there is a possibility that this game could potentially be at night. I'm not 100 percent on this, but I did read that I believe Ohio State's got a November night game now, and I think it's a result of maybe the new TV deal. Interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind a noon game. I wouldn't mind a new game at all. New games are great. No deadline concerns, no nothing. But uh, yeah, so Penn State fans make your travel arrangements uh, accordingly. If you, if, I mean, it's tough though. It's tough for fans to want to go to that game now because you have Thanksgiving. Like, and especially you if it's a plan on having Thanksgiving out there now, it's not like you're gonna you're gonna have a big feast in state in a state college area on Thursday and then want to pile into a car and drive with you know seven pounds of turkey coating your insides and then drive to Detroit. So yeah, I think if you want to go to the game, the logical, the logical thing to do would be to plan on maybe having a little Thanksgiving in the greater Detroit area. And and to your point, if it's the Lions Packers, I I think we both know one person on the Penn State beat that's probably going to go to that game. It's I mean I, I don't see any re- I think Audrey Snyder's in for that game and Rich Rich Garcella I believe is another huge Packers fan. So maybe that's suddenly on their radar. Yeah, no, I've been talking to Audrey about the, about possibly going where I'm, I'm looking at flights. Uh, I was looking at flights last night out of Philly 
there's like 630 in the morning flight. <laughs> like, you know what? Because because it's the game is at 1230, I think, on on Thanksgiving Day. So you have to get there early. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll make make the most of it. Right, Bob? It's one, it's one of those. No one likes to miss Thanksgiving. But at the same time, we get another Saturday off. And you know what? I, I'd honestly, I'm, I'm dead serious when I say this. In the NFL, anything can happen. So Sean Clifford might be the quarterback of the Packers in that game. I mean, they, Jordan Love is – there's nothing promised to Jordan Love. You know, he's got to stay healthy. I don't know if they're going to add to that roster, but they took him in the fifth round. And to me, that means he's got a great shot to maybe open the year as the backup. Anything happens to Jordan, you know, Audrey and Rich and maybe Johnny McGonigal could be at that game and under center will be none other than Sean Clifford. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll let you write that one then, uh, Bob. <laughs> I'm, I'm at the game. You can go ahead and write that story. <laughs> Maybe we'll just write the advanced portion of that with quotes from James about, and then we'll just let uh, somebody else. Uh, Dave, think we can draft Dave Jones to to do? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It might be that might be a little bit too much, but yeah, it's just it made it made Thanksgiving even more interesting. There's there's pros and cons to it. I think the Penn State fan base is probably still wrapping their their heads around that, but. Uh, they're going to have to come up with that start time pretty soon, I would think. They, they can't wait. They're not going to wait until October to announce that start time because there are a lot of Penn State fans that have to you know, make some travel plans if they want to go see it. Also, like if you're making it a Black Friday game for TV, like you're doing this purposefully, you have a time in mind. Like You, you know when you want this game to be. So just announce it. Help, help, help us help you guys. Don't announce, you know, it on, maybe, don't announce it on like this Sunday night or. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It is announced in midweek. Really great. But I mean, a lot of news, a lot of news. Right, Johnny. So we'll see what's we'll see what's lurking around the corner in the next day or two for James Franklin and his program. I'm sure there's going to be some recruiting news for the Penn State fans. But we now have the official. Well, we don't. We, we have two starting times. We have one. <laughs> We have one kind of move date. I think everyone thought that game was going to be on Saturday, the Michigan State game. So it's going to be on Friday. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, a new experience. And it'll be, it could be a good, nice scouting trip for us, Johnny, because the draft's going to be there a couple of months later. We'll get our lay of the land. And then, you know, when Penn State probably has a couple guys in line to be first-round picks, we'll know exactly where to go in April. Because of this, because of a part, but partly because of this. But to find all the Detroit dive bars, Bob, all of them. Oh, I got a good one. This kind of changes our plans because I don't know if it's going to be open on Thursday. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. All right, Penn State fans, we'll let you go. But a lot, of, lot to get to. Uh, I think Dave Jones and I will be back later in the week. But who knows what's coming next for Penn State? And hopefully, sooner rather than later, we can give you talk a little bit about the starting time for the land-grant trophy battle between Penn State and Sparty. This has been the Blue-White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.